you've been following our Facebook Live worship services of late, you'll know that at the beginning of this month, we began a series of worship on pride on June the 7th. We talked about the pride of self and the need to, to love ourselves and to find that balance between pride and arrogance. Last Sunday, we reflected upon pride of church. And while we touched lightly on all the one-liners of our Be the Church mantra, we gave focus to rejecting racism. And this morning, we're going to reflect a bit on pride of community. And in our case, that would be Lexington or Georgetown or even Kentucky. Next week, we'll finish up with Pride Month on a reflection of pride of country. And do we ever have some topics for that one? Now, I know this may come to a surprise to a great many of you. Not. But I'm going to approach pride of community in a roundabout way. I have somehow gained by either nurture or nature the characteristic to use a lot of words to make a point. Hence, my wife's constant earworm in my ear, brevity is the soul of wit. <laughs> she really does try to have your all's back in terms of shorter sermons, and sometimes I even listen to her advice. Today's her birthday, so I'll make an extra effort on that accord, and she's shaking her head because she made me promise not to make an announcement about today being her 60th birthday, but she did not tell me I couldn't include it in a sermon. <laughs> the price of being a pastor's spouse. So let's get on with today's reflection. I think before we think about pride of community, we might be served well to define community, which may be defined this way. A group of living things sharing the same environment, they usually have shared interests, and in human communities, people have some of the same beliefs and needs, and this affects the identity of the group and the people in it. I think there are two key words in this, friends, usually and some. In other words, in order for folks to be in a community with one another, it is not necessary for every person to share every interest or every belief or every need. Now that said, I would claim that successful communities do have one thing that is non-negotiable, and that is successful communities share the same value of human and shared humanity. Even with the unique createdness and differences we each have, no matter our culture or our race or our economics or our sexual orientation or identity, no matter our politics or our faith or lack thereof, if we are able to be the best version of ourselves as a community, then we will hold as the highest regard the humanity of one another. And I would further claim that if this shared value was the priority for all of us, we would not be in the mess we are. During this pandemic, we've seen how different communities have responded. Even in faith communities, some have thrown caution to the wind and have been gathering in person too soon, completely ignoring all the scientific advice and, sadly, the consequences of their test of God's protection in the face of this pandemic, has resulted in illness and death. We've seen some communities, and again, my claim would be that Kentucky has been one of the best, but we have seen some who shut down things quickly and erred on the side of caution in the face of economic and political pressure to do otherwise. In short, left to the freedom of choice, which some are still marching for, some folks have and continue to make terrible choices, which would be bad enough if those choices resulted in consequences only for themselves. 
But what we know is that bad choices affects all of us. This morning's scripture seeks to remind us how to go about making good choices. Indeed, how to be a successful community that we can be proud of. Be that a faith community, a community in which we live, or any other group that we give our most valuable resource. And friends, that is our time. And if we pay close attention to this scripture, it's hard work for us to get beyond our own choices, beyond our actions, and in the case of your preacher, maybe others, beyond our mouths, to do the work of God in the world. Last weekend, I had the honor of officiating the wedding of Molly and Sam. Molly is the daughter of our elder Lynn Stalker and her husband, Scott. I've known this family for many years, and I watched Molly grow up in the church I attended with them at the time. And she chose to have her wedding at a youth church camp that she had attended for many years. That obviously tells us what an impact that church camp made in her life. Now, the wedding was in Casey County, I think. Let's just say it was so far in the mountains that there was no cell phone signal. Which, by the way, completely ignored the plan that Brenda and I had as we planned to text back and forth because Brenda became the voluntary wedding coordinator. I volunteered her. And so she was going to be with the bride and the bride's party, and I would be up front through the woods with the groom and the groomsmen. Well, I text her to let her know the plan and that we were ready. And if you all text a lot, you know what happens when you text. It immediately turns red and says, try again. So I tried again. And then I looked up, and it, no signal. So imagine me jogging back through the woods in my white wedding robe. And instead of texting our way through the wedding, we used trees as our way of communicating. Now, we drove one way to the wedding and chose a different route for the return home, and it was beautiful. And for this preaching mountain girl, it was good to get at least a taste of country folk. There were several times on the route going and then coming back that we saw signs that frequent country roads in smaller towns. I bet you've seen these. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? I wanted to shout from the mountaintops, I didn't know Jesus ever left us. For if we allow, his spirit guides our living every day. Now, I grew up with folks who not only placed those signs, but they sort of lived in a way they expected Jesus to come any day. Kenny, I think you preached on this not too long ago. They expected the return of Jesus not in terms of making any difference in the world here and now, but rather they were finally going to be rid of this old world. I have some friends who identify as agnostic or atheist. And after talking with me a bit, they usually, not always, but usually tell me that they can believe in a divine creator in the way I describe that relationship, which is very inclusive and provides different paths to the holy. But for most organized religion, they tell me they're done. Now these friends, whether they begin to think more about God or not, they usually ask me this question. And this question usually comes when they see the amount of time and energy I give to my role as pastor. And I'll be honest, some of them even say to me, you're wasting a lot of time, Marsh. For what? And ultimately, they may ask this and have. So, Marsh, what if this is it? What if this life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is it? What if there is no heaven or hell? 
What if we live and then we die and that's it? I answer them using an old song I used to sing, and I bet Kenny and Timmy and some of the others you know, it's called If Heaven Never Was Promised to Me. Andre Crouch made it famous, and the lyrics read like this. You may ask me why I serve the Lord. Is it just for heaven's gain? Or to walk the mighty streets of gold and to hear the angels sing? Is it just to drink from the fountain that never shall run dry? Or just to live forever and ever in the sweet, sweet by and by? If there were ever any streets of gold, neither a land where we'll never grow old. Here's the line. It's been worth just having God in my life, living in a world of darkness. But God brought me some light. In other words, rather than argue that I'm 100% certain of something I'm not 100% certain about, Now make no mistake, I do believe that in some way we'll have an eternal presence with God that will be all it needs to be for every single being to feel whole. But rather than argue why I'm pretty certain about it, I simply say what the words of this song portray. That there's been a presence in my life all along. That presence has been with me on the highest mountaintops of celebration. And that presence has been right with me in every low and the lowest of the valleys. And that even if this is it, I choose to live. That something and someone bigger than me will have the ultimate say. And even more importantly, that something and someone bigger than me has 100% been a guide and presence for me that I can't explain, but I feel so real. And so I will say, it is that presence that I'd still choose to live believing in even if this was it. As our scripture began, we see a tidbit of the country message I talked about earlier. The end of everything has come. And if you spend much time on Facebook or watching TV, you've seen folks claim it's the end times. It's the stuff the Bible's been talking about. For the record, I've heard that my entire life. But what this passage in Peter, y'all remember Peter? Upon this rock, I will build my church. Remember Peter that denied Jesus three times at the most horrific time in Jesus' life when he needed his best friend now more than ever. That Peter that the rock of the church is built on speaks to us about how we're supposed to act and speak and live right here and right now. This scripture calls us to keep our spirits in check and our actions in check, and our mouth in check, and that everything we do and say should bring honor and glory to God. Now I'm going to invite you to take your worship program back out. And I'm going to invite you to look again at the passage that Kenny read and what it calls us to do. Brothers and sisters, if we're successful at even part of this, we will indeed have a community of which we can be proud of. Self-controlled and clear-headed. i got to admit, I need to pray a lot to get that self-control and clear-headedness. For left to my own desires, I can promise you all I'm going to do something or say something that I later wished I hadn't. I'm an emotional person. And sometimes that's a good thing. But i got to tell you, other times, not so much. Love. And notice, it's not just singing kumbaya. 
But it says specifically, sincere love. Open your homes to each other without complaining. I don't know that we do that even if we have relatives or friends we like. We complain about how much work it's going to be to clean up, get the sheets ready, mow the grass, do the dishes, make the house look different than how you really live. <laughs> but in the ancient community, friends, and we've got to put ourselves in that place, and we talk about that on Thursday nights a lot, we've got to put ourselves in the place of the ancient story. Homes were critical to them. It was the most sacred thing they had. And so for this scripture to say, open your homes, open the most important part of you to others without complaining. For some, that may mean that you're willing to be vulnerable and honest. For others, it may be to share possessions that you think you can't. And then it says, serve each other according to the gift each person has received as a good manager of God's diverse gifts. Our gifts, friends, are not a competition, and so often they are seen as such. I was brought to tears more than once when planning this service to watch so many people, diverse people with different gifts, playing to their strengths. Good managers of God's diverse gifts. There it is, friends. God made us different for a reason. Speak to those who speak God's words. Speak as those who speak God's word. Serve with the strength God gives us. Do everything in our lives and our communities in a way that honors God. Yes, brothers and sisters, we should protest racism, but we can do that in a way that honors God. We can disagree in our politics in a way that honors God. We can question authorities when it seems that the powerful are ignoring or taking advantage of the marginalized. But I'm going to challenge me and you to do that questioning and that advocating in a way that honors God. If this is it, then by God's help, let's make the most of it. And if this life on earth is simply another step in our humanity and eternal awaits, as I believe it does, you know what I say? Let's still make the most of it. Let's leave handprints and footprints. When we are no longer present in this world, let's leave holes that people notice. And not just in our circles. Not just in our circles of our family and friends who will miss us. But in a way, in our community, that someone's going to have to step up to fill the gap. I believe there's an eternity. I can't prove it. But I believe it. But whether or not this is it, it makes no difference to me in how I live. What I believe, friends, is that when we show up in ways that honor God, God shows up. Can we say that together? When we show up, God shows up. When what? When we show up, God shows up. May we never, ever forget that. That's how people start believing in something bigger than us. They see an arrogant kid growing up that thinks she has all the answers. Going into church and proclaiming her beliefs about any number of things. Capital punishment. 
immigration, politics, bragging and proud. And they meet that boisterous young woman where she is. And they pray for her. And they walk with her. And one day she gets a little closer to doing things to the honor of God. This is my story. And this is my song. If this is it, then let's make the most of our life. Let's show up. You as our faith community inspire me in so many ways. And I am so proud of you. You all know I stalk you on Facebook. And I watch you in your business communities or your family communities. I watch you continue to sponsor in AA and NA and any number of things. And I am so proud and humbled to be one of your pastors. This little neighborhood right here, it's better because we landed here and we joined with the church that was formerly conservative that didn't want to have a lot to do with most of us. And what a beautiful story it's been. We're better. Emmanuel's better. This neighborhood's better. Lexington, Kentucky is better because we became church and because we try to be the church. During this pandemic, I've seen so many of your actions. And I need to share with you that in times of deep despair of my own, not knowing if a family business would survive, not knowing if someone I love deeply would fall ill or die due to the virus, and so many uh, feelings that we've all shared, haven't we, in an incredibly difficult stretch. So during one of my and Brenda's long walks, we were talking about how this pandemic had affected everything. I was a little down that day. And I said, Bren, it's, it's just affected everything. It's changed our dreams and it's changed our plans. And then I came home and did a pastor chat. And after that chat, I went to the piano and I wrote a new song. And that new song was inspired by this community and by our government leaders in Kentucky and Lexington and Georgetown and other of our cities. You inspire me to be better in our community. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.